Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright. and This is Call to War 2020, video briefing number seven. The Lord has been saying through these briefings some very specific things to his body. Some people are of the opinion that when you're direct in your approach, that you're being mean. There's no intent to be mean in the previous uh, briefings, nor in this one. But when there is urgency, when there is a desperate desire to see people get it, you don't beat around the bush with that. You're not trying to be eloquent. You're trying to be as specific as possible to call what is right and what is not exactly what that is. Why is that? Because we we need to get the message. This year, right now in this year, for all of our wonderful plans using the most obvious catchphrase in, that's ever been in my lifetime, 2020 vision. And I'm not making fun. It's it's really good, isn't it? Isn't it really good? This is 2020. This is 2020 vision. Well, let me tell you something right now. Our Heavenly Father has a 2020 vision, and He is determined to get the attention of His church. Why? Because He said His house was called to be a house of prayer that the number one thing his church is supposed to be known for is their prayer, not their facilities, not their great oratory, eloquence, and preaching, public speaking, not all of our wonderful singing and music, not all our nice people, not all of our great programs. That's not what he said we're supposed to be known for. We're supposed to be known for our prayer. Now, I've been involved with Antioch Church for almost 50 years now. September of 2020 will be 50 years. And this church is considered by many to be a praying church. And it's been taught to pray, and we do pray. And I know a lot of churches that are praying churches, but I don't know any church. I don't know any church that the number one thing they're known for is they're known as a house of prayer, as a people of prayer. I don't know any. And okay, so my knowledge may be limited, but I don't know any. I'm 74 years old. I've been in the ministry 52 years in a month and a half. I've had the Holy Ghost 62 years, two months ago, and I was born. My mother was attending United Pentecostal Church when I was born, and I have preached on every continent except Australia. And I'm telling you right now, I don't know of one single church that the defining characteristic and activity of that church above everything else, above having church, above their discipleship programs, above their outreach programs, above their preaching, their singing, their facility, all of that, 
that their number one thing they're known as is a house of prayer. And I'm not talking about the church house, that building we call a church, but the house of prayer, the body of Christ. We are the habitation of God through the Spirit. I don't know them. I don't know one. And if God is as intent on us being a house of prayer as the Lord Jesus Christ demonstrated in all four Gospels, all four Gospels, in turning over tables and scattering money and driving people out of the temple with a whip that he personally braided from rope. He lost it. And the disciples watching him with wide eyes remembered the word of God said, the word of the Lord said, the zeal of thine house has eaten me up. And what was that all about? Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he said, the reason for all of that was, my house shall be called a house of prayer, and you've made it a den of thieves. Well, we don't, we're not thieves, no. When we do things without prayer being first and foremost the initiator, the director, the empowerer, the sustainer of everything we do, then we have stolen his glory. We've stolen his glory. When we try to be righteous by our good deeds and our religious activities, rather than be righteous by the gift of his righteousness that is given to us in repentance and water baptism in Jesus' name and be, being filled with the Holy Ghost, we are thieves of his righteousness. When we brag on ourselves and our facilities and how good we can preach and sing and how good a people we are, rather than giving him the glory and the credit for all of that, we are thieves. And what is the reason for our thievery? We don't pray because people who are submitted to his will pray as their first and primary priority throughout the day, throughout the day. That's why we can pray without ceasing, even if we're on a job. We don't have to pray out loud to be praying. We are connected to God by the Spirit, and we pray, and we pray. Sometimes we pray whisper prayers, and sometimes we talk in tongues, and sometimes we pray other prayers, and sometimes we take our breaks to go pray or our lunch period to go pray. We pray on the way to work and the way home from work, and we pray before we go to sleep. We pray when we first wake up. He is always in our hearts and always in our minds because him and his will is our, he's our God and his will is the priority of our life. And it is his will for us to pray first and foremost. And we're not doing that. Now, hear me, please. Hear God. Hear the word of the Lord. Hear the spirit of God, please. God is determined to get the attention of the prayerless. He's going to get our attention. We're his people. We have his name on us. We have his spirit in us. Even if we're walking in our own ways, the spirit of the Lord is still there. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, 
It's not those that can prophesy in his name and cast out devils in his name and preach in his name and live good good lives in his name, do the will of God in ministry. It's those who do the will of the Father 24-7. Those that don't, they are those who work iniquity. and He doesn't approve of that relationship, and he's going to cause us to depart. It is possible to do the will of God perfectly in the ministry, in our ministry, in the spiritual things of our life, and go to hell because we think he should let us run the natural side of our life. And that's only the attitude of people who are not truly praying people. Nobody who is truly given to prayer, who invests time in fellowship with his presence and his word, not only speaking to him, but letting him talk to them, nobody like that is prayerless. Nobody. And nobody like that walks after their own will. Oh, we, we, may, we may misstep every once in a while. We may do a, 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 a moment of the day or something may happen. And before we know it, we've done, we, we didn't follow his will. But if we repent of that quickly, repent of that, he'll forgive us and we're right back to doing his will. But those who habitually miss the mark, by habitually not doing the will of God. He said, I don't know you. I don't approve of our relationship. Now, because he is a loving God, because he is a loving God, and we are his children individually, and collectively we are his bride, he's not going to just let this go with do, and do nothing. He's not going to do it. He's going to get our attention. I'm reading Hosea chapter 5, beginning with verse 8. Blow ye the cornet in Gibeah and the trumpet in Ramah. Cry aloud at Beth-Avon after thee, O Benjamin. Ephraim shall be desolate in the day of rebuke. Among the tribes of Israel have I made known that which shall surely be. The princes of Judah were like them that removed the bound Therefore, I will pour out my wrath upon them like water. What? Did you hear what they just said? The princes of Judah are like those that move a boundary marker. What is that talking about? Ah, It's back when boundary markers were stones or sets of stones piled in a certain way to let everybody know this is just a pile of rocks. This is the corner of this piece of this boundary line. This is this, this, and other, uh, other piles of stone along that boundary markers. If you want to steal somebody land, you move the boundaries. You move the markers. So you're moving the boundary and then you can claim that area that's been liberated by you moving the boundaries. And he says, the princes of Judah, the leaders of his people, are like those that move the boundary, or even worse, remove the boundary. So there's no clear line that's drawn. 
That is not pleasing to God. And he said, I'm going to pour out my wrath upon them like water. Not the Chinese water torture of a drip, drip, drip. He said, I'm going to pour out my wrath like water upon them. It's my correction. It's my rebuke. It's it, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, he said. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. When God pours out wrath or rebuke upon his church, it's not for the play, purpose of destruction. It's for the purpose of getting our attention so we, he can call us back to repentance. Next verse, verse 11. Ephraim is oppressed and broken in judgment because he willingly walked after the commandment. Or in this case, willingly walked away from the commandment. Therefore will I be unto Ephraim as a moth and to the house of Judah as rottenness. Because he willingly walked after. The Hebrew word thereafter is not following, but abandoning the commandment, not doing the commandment, not obeying the commandment. Therefore, will I be unto Ephraim as a moth. What does a moth do? Just eats away at stuff. Sometimes you don't even know the moth is doing it till it's done. And to the house of Judah as rottenness. You don't, sometimes you don't know that wood is rotten till you put it under stress or a load. And then it crumbles because it's rotten. Rottenness inside. Our foundations are rotten. Our garments of righteousness are eaten away as a moth eats a garment. When Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah his wound, then went Ephraim to the Assyrian and sent to the, to King Jared, yet could he not heal you nor cure you of your wound. Oh, Jesus, have mercy on us. How often is this the case? The Lord allows things to come into our lives, sicknesses and diseases and, and problems and troubles and trials and tests and famines and pestilences and earthquakes and wars and rumors of wars. He's not doing that because he's not a God of love. He's doing it because he is a God of love and he loves us. He loves us too much to leave us alone. He loves us too much to let us die in our rut till it becomes a grave. He loves us too much to leave it like that. So he calls upon us. He calls upon us. He calls out to us. He wants us. He wants us to repent. He wants to restore our relationship with him. The problem is, in all these situations, they thought they were okay. They thought they were doing right because they liked what they were doing. Because they could do their own thing and still believe they were the people of God. Ephraim and Israel and Judah <laughs> all thought they were okay. And they were not. Yes, the Lord poured out plagues on Egypt 
and I don't remember what it was, the first two, three, four at the most, affected Israel too. But then the rest of them, they only affected the Egyptians because God didn't let that affect Gotham. Well, we're not in Gotham yet. Too much repentance needs to be done. It's one thing for him to do these things to get the attention of the sinner. But when he has to do these things to get the attention of Israel, he wanted to deliver Israel out of Egypt. But they had to experience the same plagues of uh, of the Egyptians just to get them to repent, to get ready to leave Egypt. And even then, some of them didn't reach a place of repentance because when they got out of the wilderness... And the Lord was there and taking care of them. And he was showing them how much he loved them. They longed to go back to Egypt, to the leeks and garlics and onions of Egypt. They wanted to go back to that stuff that will give you a bad breath. Eat that stuff that will give you an odor so that everybody knows what you're eating. And if I'm participating in the world... Those things leave a spiritual odor on me. And to people with any sensitivity in the spirit at all, they may not know all the details, but they can pick up on that odor that's coming from my life, that spiritual odor that's coming from my life because I long for the things of Egypt. So God is, God is trying to get our attention. He wants to give revival and harvest in the earth, but he can't give it through a church that's not revived and not committed to the harvest, first and foremost, above everything. I mean, he's the one that told us, commanded us to pray. He said, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would, King James says, send forth laborers into the harvest. But the Greek word there is not send forth, it's thrust out. Or some translations translate it to compel to go out. So that verse doesn't apply to our day. So we're all out in the harvest field. No, we're out inviting people to church. We're inviting the field to the barn so they can get saved in the barn because that's safer for us. No, that prayer, that command still applies today. But do we pray that? Do we ever pray that? Do we ever, if we do pray it, do we ever really pray it? Or do we just repeat it? Because the problem is this. If I'm really praying it, the one that that prayer will be answered to through first and foremost will be the one doing the praying. Because he told them to pray that at the end of chapter 9 of Matthew. And the very next verse, which is Romans, uh, Matthew 10 and 1, he called them and commissioned them and sent them out into the field. So that's the proof. If I'm really praying that, then I'm involved with the lost. I'm involved with ministry of the word in home Bible studies and small groups and witnessing. If I'm praying that prayer, I can't pray that prayer without not be, without, and not be involved. I got to be involved. And he's sending us forth to be involved. But what happens when his church is too busy having church, having church, 
Even though the word church is a noun, not a verb, you can't have church. That's our polluted, perverted tradition. And we're so busy having church, we don't have time for the world because the field is the world. That's what Jesus said. We don't have time for that. We don't have time for witnessing. Because when we're not in church, the rest of the time belongs to us. We have our lives to live. We need to make a living. We need to fix up our house, buy a car. We need to do our thing. We got hunting and fishing and golfing to do. And I don't do the first two because I've never been exposed to it. But I do like to golf occasionally if it's the will of God. And I won't get into that right now. Some don't even believe that's possible. So be it. So be it. You know, I don't invest, but there are some people that invest in the market and the will of God. But it's not the will of God for that to become all you do all day long and not pray. Not pray, not do it in prayer, not committing it to God, not trusting your own abilities and instincts and your research, but trusting God. Oh, that I can't do that. That's foolishness to just make decisions spiritually. Really, that's foolishness. So God doesn't know, didn't know there was going to be a pandemic so that you could have sold before all your stocks fell and then you could buy them back pennies on the dollar and They'd go back up to where they were. God didn't, God didn't know that, so he couldn't have told you that. He might have told you to do that, but you didn't know why he told you to do it, so you didn't do it. Right? That's the point here. We have been called of God to live in the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, to live according to the will of the Father. Are we doing that? No, we're not. Oh, there are isolated individuals that are. They may be even isolated local groups of people called churches that uh, the majority of those people in that church are truly repentant and revived. There may be. There may be. But we can't imagine with all of our time-saving conveniences doing what our fathers did. And that's going to church in a revival seven nights a week, eight services, plus all the prayer meetings that go on during that time, and still have time to work and invite people to the revival and all of that. Yeah, we can't imagine that today. You know, that's why we're canceling so many services and cutting way back because people just, their lives are so busy. Busy doing what? The will of God? So busy with prayer? Really? And we have nothing to repent of? Not according to the word of God. According to the word of God, we got a lot to repent of. Are we? In Jesus' name, I pray that the spirit of the fear of the Lord, which is clean, enlightening the eyes, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord, is that by which we depart from evil, from iniquity, would come upon the body of Christ today, right now, and that we would find a place to pray and repent and change because he's going to get our attention, church. He's going to get our attention. He's going to get, our, he's going to get your attention. He's going to get my attention. If I am not praying prayer, according to his will, in a way that's pleasing to him, he will get my attention. I will pray. Now, I may be praying about a sick child. I may be praying about a doctor's report. 
I may be praying about my losing my job or my business going out of uh, going under and out of bankruptcy. I may be praying about all that unless I get bitter with God for allowing that. I may be praying about all that, but I'm going to pray because He's got to get me praying for some reason before He can get me praying for His reasons. Because if I'm praying for my reasons and I'm not getting any results, maybe, just maybe, the spirit of the fear of the Lord, the spirit of conviction will cause me to look at myself and go, okay, Lord, what is it about my life that you're not pleased with? Open my eyes, open my ears, open my heart, let me see, and grant me repentance that I might repent. Because if I will do that, he will forgive. He will change me. If I will do that, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, do you feel that? You feel that? This is, this is a witness of the Holy Ghost. God is witnessing to you right now, my friend, my brother, my sister. God is witnessing to you. He is witnessing to you that this isn't the rantings of some lunatic man, that this is the word of God. This is the will of God. He is calling his church to repentance. And repentance is change. He's not calling his church just to be forgiven of sin. That's the past. He's calling us to change, which affects the future. Change. John the Baptist wouldn't even repent. Wouldn't even baptize them until they brought forth fruit meat for repentance. Now, he wasn't talking about living a good life so you're qualified for repent, but attitudes and actions that demonstrated they had repented, that they're ready to do the will of God. They're ready to obey God to whatever degree they know it, and he will teach them in the future. This is the will of God. Verse 13, when Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah saw his wound, then when Ephra, Ephraim to the Assyrian and sent to King Jared, yet could he not heal you nor cure you of your wound? The king of, of Assyria sent the man of God, uh, his servant, down to the man of God in Israel to get healed. And now Israel is sending to the Assyrians to get healed? Oh, Jesus, help us. We're trying to go to all the church growth books to find out why we're not growing. We're trying to go to all the seminars that the church world is putting on to find out how we can grow like they grow. Not me. Not me. Not interested in that. I've got a church growth book. There's 66 actual books in that church growth book, and every bit of Every bit of the, the church growth principles of God are in that book. And if my church growth principles I'm learning from others is not in that book, and I'm doing those things, I'm not going to get healed. A church isn't going to grow in a way that's pleasing to God. I can grow a crowd, but I'm not growing a church. For I will be unto Ephraim as a lion and as a young lion to the house of Judah. I even I will tear and go away and I will take away and none shall rescue him. When God chooses to get the attention of his people, you tell me who's going to pull us out of that. Who's going to rescue us from God's getting our attention? I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense. 
and seek my face. In their affliction, they will seek me early. The Lord is saying, I'm going to do whatever I've got to do to get the church's attention. And I'm going to go hide myself while they go through those things I allow to come upon them. And I'm going to stay there until they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. Because if I let it get bad enough, they will call on me. Now that's the end of chapter 5 of Hosea. Here's the next verse. Notice the shift. All of those verses that I read from chapter 5 is God talking to us. And that last verse of chapter 5 is, I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. In their affliction, they will seek me early. Now, it shifts. Now, we're talking to God. Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn and he will heal us. He hath smitten and he will bind us up. Things happen, things go on, sicknesses, diseases, financial crises, trouble in this world, wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, all of that, all that stuff's going on. And what do we do just like the world does? We try to solve all those problems. We try to fix all that stuff. And God resists, is the enemy of every effort we try, we, that we make to try to fix stuff that he allowed to come. To get our attention. To get us to repent. He's the enemy of our efforts to fix that. And it's not going to happen. But if we will come to him. Come unto me, he said. All you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. What are you weighted down with? The expectations of your religion? The desires of your, the, is the weight Uh, your flesh wanting to do its own will? What are you weighted down with? What are you worn out by? Because there's rest in God and in his will. There's peace and rest in God. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. What does it mean to take his yoke? Get in his will and live in his will. Take my yoke upon you. Get committed to my will. Attach yourself to me and my will. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest unto your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden's light. If you get in my yoke, you'll find out why all this stuff is happening. I'm not hard. I'm not mean. I'm not vindictive, God is saying. If you get in the yoke with me and get get to know me, and understand me, you'll sign that see that all this stuff that's happening is my love. I'm gentle. That's the Greek word for the King James word meek and lowly in heart. I'm humble. What does it mean for God to be humble? That means that he is secure enough in himself that he doesn't have to fry everybody that shakes their fist at him and, 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 and strike them with lightning until they become ashes just to prove he's God. No, the chastisement is not God's anger against us. It's it's his anger against our sin. He loves us. He hates the sin. 
And so he allows things to come to get our attention. But if we will come to him, if we will not just come to him, but return to him in our heart, soul, mind, and strength of giving up our will and submitting to his will, then he's torn, but he'll heal us. And he's smitten, but he'll bind up the wounds. After two days, he will revive us. And in the third day, he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. Two days. A day with the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years one day. And how long or how old is the church age right now? The age of grace. How old is it? Well, Jesus was crucified approximately from 28 to 32 A.D., depending on the scholar you're reading after, because they didn't know exactly. Jesus was did not was not born exactly on January the 1st of zero, the, that day that separates B.C. from A.D. He wasn't born that day. According to scholars, he was born sometime around 3, 4 A.D., uh, B.C., or as early as 6 B.C. Why didn't why don't we know exactly? Because he's not going to let you or I determine the day or the hour. He's not going to let us do that. But he did tell us we'd know the generation. And he did know, tell us we'd know the season. He did say that. He did say we'd know the period, the last days. He said we'd know that. We won't know the day or the hour. So 2,000 years. Boy, it's winding down real quickly, isn't it, here? So after two days, he will revive us. And the third day, he will raise us up. And we shall live in his sight. Then, then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. His going forth is prepared as the morning. And he shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and former rain in the earth. The church is not having the harvest that God has promised. Oh, we're having church growth. Many places are having church growth. But if that church growth is not built upon repentance and revival, where our relationship with God of him being in charge and us doing his will and not our own is not the foundation of it, it is not harvest. It's just growth. It's growing a crowd because the number one principle of all of this is except a grain of wheat fall in the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. And you cannot separate dying out to self and living unto God and his will as from being the foundation of all true spiritual work that God is doing. Jesus said it this way, every plant that my heavenly father hath not planted shall be rooted up. I can take the seed of the word and plant it by my own carnality. And the word works and something will grow. A plant will come up, but God didn't plant that through us. We planted it through our own ability, our own intellect, our own programs, our own efforts. And he's not accepting it. Cain brought him an offering of his own efforts. God rejected it. 
Abel brought an offering that God provided and that Abel was only the steward of, and God accepted it. That's all we are, stewards and conduits. He does the work. He does the work. We don't do the work. But if we will come to him and repent and be restored, he will heal us. He will raise us up. And then we will know the Lord. And if we know the Lord and we follow on to know him, to have a relationship with him, one he knows us in, one he approves us of us in, then we'll know. We'll know what? His going forth is as prepared as the morning. What he's planned to do in these last days is so certain. It's as certain as the sun coming up tomorrow. Do you pray about the sun having to come up? No, you prepare for it to come up because you believe it's coming up. Do you pray for the sun to go down? No, you prepare for it to go down because you know it's going down. And the Lord's work in the earth is as, is as certain as the sun coming up and going down. What are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be preparing and praying so that we can be in tune with it and so that we can be the conduits of what he's wanting to do in the earth. But are we? Are we? Are we really doing that? Or are we just good religious traditional Pentecostals? Just going to church, having good church, and preaching good sermons, having good services, good services, yeah, and 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 having not good times of fellowship together, and just going about our business, and the world's going to hell. I mean, they accused the apostles of being the people that turned the world upside down. When's the last time the church? has ever been accused of turning the world upside down. Oh, they want to shut us up. But the one thing they can't keep us from doing is praying. They can put us in jail, but they can't keep us from praying. They can cut out my tongue, but they can't keep me from praying. The only way they can keep me from praying is taking my life. And they can't take my life unless God permits it. They can't shut me up from praying until God's done with me praying. That's what the world fears the most is a spiritual church, a church that is able to pray and turn the world upside down. But are we? Is the church praying? Is the church turning the world upside down? Or are we trying to fit in and be liked and approved of so we can go on Larry King or some other interview show and and and, and them ask questions and we beat around the bush? Well, we, well you know, the Bible says, but we, we don't really make an issue of it in our church. Really? 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 Is that what God's called us to be? No, it's not. But notice what he promised. Then shall we know, if we follow on to know the Lord, his going forth is as prepared as the morning. It's just that certain. And he shall come unto us. This is also as certain. He shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter rain and the former rain under the earth. Well, that's not the order. Order rain is the former rain is before the latter rain. Well, why is it said like that? Because in this thing that God's going to be doing in the earth just before he comes back here, this thing he's promised to do that's as certain as the sun is coming up, 
through the church that's submitted to him and who is the house of prayer and is obedient to his instructions and walking in his spirit and living in his spirit according to his word. What he's going to do in the earth is going to be like Amos 9, 13 says. The time is coming that the plowman is going to overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him that uh, soweth seed. There's going to be rapid multiple harvests so that the latter rain would be immediately followed by the former rain. There's usually six months between them in practice in, natu- in the natural, but they're going to come so closely together. And what is the, what is going, what's going to bring that about? Us responding to the Lord, getting our attention, and can stop defending ourselves and excusing ourselves, but yet saying, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, it's sin. Yes, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. Give me the grace to change. Yes, Lord. Grant me repentance. Grant me change. Yes, Lord. And, 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 and you work in me, Father, and help me to yield to you that prayer will be the first priority in my life and that uh, pray, seeking for the kingdom and your righteousness is the first priority of my day every day, all day long so that I can know you and I can know your plan and how certain it is. And how, prov- how, how certain your promises are. And that you will respond and work through us so that we can receive what you have promised. In closing this briefing, number seven. Let me read this in Psalms 107. This is what he promised to those who would uh, give himself, give themselves to him and do his will and repent. And I'm not going to read the whole psalm. The whole psalm is full of really good stuff on this. But let me just read a few verses. I'm encouraging you to go read all of Psalm 107. But I'm going to begin with verse 33. If we come to the Lord, return to him, and 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 and, and, and repent and change so that he can heal us and bind us up and and we can uh, we can follow on to know him. Then Psalms 107:33 he turneth the rivers turneth rivers into a wilderness and the water springs into dry ground a fruitful land into barrenness for the wickedness of them that dwell therein he turneth the wilderness that that's that's what he does to get our attention so here is getting our attention he turneth rivers into a wilderness a desert and the water springs into dry ground a fruitful land into barrenness for the wickedness of them that dwell therein. He allows that to happen to get our attention so we will repent, so we will pray, so we will do his will and give ourselves to him. And when we do that, here's what happens. He turneth the wilderness into a standing water and dry ground into water springs. And there he maketh the hungry to dwell that they may be may prepare a city for, for habitation. And sow the fields and plant vineyards, which may yield fruits of increase. He blesseth them also, so that they are multiplied greatly, and suffereth not their cattle to decrease. Look at the two options here. We do it our way. We do it according to our tradition. We do it according to our plans and our human efforts and our human abilities and our human intellect. And we do it all for God. We live for God. We work for God. And we do all of this our way. And prayer's not our priority. And it's not our life. And it's not the life we live. And 
So he does the first. He turns rivers into wilderness, waters to springs and dry ground, fruitful land into barrenness because of the wickedness of them that turn. What is the wickedness? Wickedness is a synonym of iniquity, which is living by our will and not his. But when we repent, he changes all of that around. He turneth the wilderness into a standing water, dry ground into water springs, and there he maketh the hungry to dwell that they may prepare a city for habitation and sow the fields and plant vineyards which may yield fruits of increase in glory to God. He blesseth them also so that they are multiplied greatly. He blesses and we are multiplied greatly. We don't grow anything. He gives increase. Increase and growth in the Bible are not synonymous. Not in this context. So it multiplies greatly and gives increase. And he suffers not our cattle to decrease. Cattle here is not bovine. It is sheep. Frequently in the King James, the word cattle is used in reference to sheep. And this is what he promised to do. But we've got to let him get our attention. We've got to quit resisting and resenting what he allows to happen in this world that's affecting us and what he's allowing to happen in our lives that's affecting us and our families and our churches. We've got to quit resisting and resenting that and just praying for him to change it and fix it instead of saying, okay, Lord, what are you saying to me in all this? Give me ears to hear what you're saying to me in all this. Give me eyes to see what you're trying to show me in all of this. Give me a heart to perceive and receive and believe what you're trying to communicate to me and to the body of Christ and all this. While we're trying to pray it off of us and get rid of it, we're missing the whole point. Our loving Father doesn't do these things or allow these things in our lives for no reason. There's always a reason. There's always a message. There's always a purpose. Are we hearing it? Are we responding to it? Are we obeying him? Lord, help us. Lord, help us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray for you and I that we would be willing to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church and do this. Whatever methods or, or, or format God is calling you to pray together in, uh, please obey that. But for those of you that are hearing the voice of the Spirit through this call to war 2020. This is what the Holy Ghost is asking us to do as churches. We need to do all this repenting as individuals too. Our lives need to change where we are repenting and doing the will of God personally, individually every day. But the church, our local churches need to do the will of God. The will of the Father every day, every day, every day. How can he add to the church daily such as should be saved? If we're not giving him any opportunity to do that, because we're not doing anything that's the will of God every day. How are we doing that? So this is what the Holy Ghost is asking. From this month of March through the month of September, the Lord is asking that every church will take at least one day every month and fast that day and do a 24-hour prayer chain that day. And the purpose of this period of time, first and foremost, is a time of repentance, of renewal, of restoration, of recommitment, of rededication, of reconsecration to God. 
resubmission to his will as the rule of our daily lives 24-7. And then in September, or excuse me, October, the Holy Ghost is asking us then. Now, again, that first, this six months, we're not doing warfare. Other than whatever warfare the Lord's already called you to do, we're not doing warfare in that period of time. We are praying. We're getting right with God as a body. And then in October, beginning with the first week of October, for the next three weeks, the first three weeks of October, the Holy Ghost is asking every church that will to have at least one day that a week, those three weeks, and a 24-hour prayer chain and fast that one day for those three weeks. And then the last week of October, from October Tuesday through Friday, October 27 through 30, we're going to pray. We're asked, the Holy Ghost is asking you to gather wherever you gather to pray, in homes, in your facilities that you have, for you have other church services in or whatever, you gather to pray. How long? I don't know. Obey God. I will be, as I've done with Call to War, I will be streaming directed prayer all four of those nights. I don't know what time I'll be starting. It'll be earlier than later. I don't know what time I'll be quitting. It'll be later rather than earlier. As the Holy Ghost leads, but we will do that. If you want to stream that directed prayer into your group and pray along with us, that's fine. But at least meet with us before the throne of grace whether you do the streaming or not, that's not the important thing. That's between you and God. You do what you will. But we need to pray, pray, pray that the will of God would be done and the spirit of iniquity, the spirit of lawlessness would be defeated in the earth and not be able to overwhelm those that God has called to do his will. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I loose the spirit of the fear of the Lord. I loose the spirit of conviction. I loose the spirit of grace upon us uh, to repent, to confess and to repent and to change and to recommit to him that we might be become, that the spirit of prayer might come upon us, that we might become conduits of ministry to this world in prayer, to the kingdom of God in prayer, that the Lord might pray through us throughout the day for his will to be done, for his word to be fulfilled, for the lost of this world to have some kind of chance to know him that they might be saved. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray this. In the name of Jesus, I pray this. God bless you. Thank you for watching. And I say again, these uh, briefings are sequential. I'm asking you, don't. if you've watched this one, go back and watch up to this. The Holy Ghost is laying a, a foundation, line upon line, precept upon precept, through this whole series, and there's more coming. So I'm asking you to let the Spirit of the Lord speak to you, if you will, through these briefings. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, God bless you. I love you, but more important, the Lord loves you. In Jesus' name, amen.